The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sex with Jaya is brought to you by Aloe Cadabra. Aloe Cadabra is 95% organic aloe vera. Visit www.allocadabra.com today. Step inside the sensual world of sex with Jaya. This hour will bring you sex education like you've never heard before. It's uncensored, no holes barred advice to increase your sexual knowledge and performance. Now, here's your host, Jaya. I'm ready for sex with Jaya. Are you? I'm ready for sex with Jaya. Yeah. Are you sure? So am I. Oh, Uh Esther's ready too. Miss Esther Perel. I'm so excited for today's show. My expert guest, Miss Esther Perel, who you just heard, she asked, why does great sex so often fade for couples who claim to love each other as much as ever? Can we want what we already have? Why does the transition to parenthood, D-Love and I know that, so often spell erotic disaster? Does good intimacy always make for good sex? Esther Perel takes on these tough questions, grappling with the obstacles and anxieties that arise when we are on our quest to secure love conflicts in our pursuit of passion. On today's show, she invites you to explore the paradoxical union of domesticity and sexual desire and explains what it takes to bring lust home. Sexual excitement doesn't always play by the rules of good citizenship. It is politically incorrect. (laughs) It thrives on power plays, unfair advantages, and the space between self and other. More exciting, playful, even poetic sex is possible. But first, we must kick the egalitarian ideas and emotions, housekeeping, out of our bedrooms. Today, she invites you to put the X back in sex. And she's the author of one of my most favorite books ever, Mating in Captivity. Hello, Miss Esther Perel. Hello, Jaya. I just love that choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So let's just dive in. You know, the the first question that that you're asking, why does great sex so often fade for couples who claim to love each other as much as ever? Why does sex, good sex have to fade? It doesn't have to fade. I mean, it's not like we are on an inevitable decline here and it is meant to just, uh, the death of Eros is, uh, is a foregone conclusion. But there is a tension. And I think that much of what I've, t- what I've tried to capture is uh, a tension that we probably could look at from three different angles. Generally, let's take the larger societal issues. What's the biggest shift? We've never actually in the history of humankind had long-term relationships that last as long as we live old today um, in which we are meant to have sex not because we want to have eight children for which we need 14 because six won't make it or because it's exclusively a mother's or a woman's marital duty just because we feel like it. Desire is at the core, at the heart of long-term sexuality today. 
And never in history have we asked one person to give us what once an entire village used to provide. I want my partner to be my anchor, my community, to give me a sense of belonging, of security, of uh, safety, of stability, of predictability. And I want that same partner to also give me a sense of mystery and awe and novelty and adventure and excitement. And love and desire, they are two sets of fundamental human needs that actually spring from different sources and pull us in different directions. It's not a given that the same person can be the anchor in the wave, that the same person can excite us and also be comforting. That is a tension. So why does it fade? It fades because the very things that nurture love, mutuality, protection, a sense of responsibility for the other, for their well-being, care, worry, anxiety. All of these elements that are so central to love are often the very same ones that stifle desire. Desire likes the unknown. Love likes to be known. You like to be seen. You like to be understood. Desire likes to go where it hasn't yet gone. Desire is about wanting. Love is about having. Desire is about the mystery, about a sense of curiosity, because curiosity is erotic. It means you're open and available, you know, leaning forward to find out what is still unknown, surprising, unexpected. That's the opposite of stability and predictability. That's why desire or sexuality so often fades for people who come into my office and say, we love each other very much, we have no sex. And it's important because typically we like to say, I hate your guts, why would I want to sleep with you? That's a given, even that that's not necessarily <laughs> always the case. Like, but the notion that, no, sexual problems are not the consequence per se of relational problems. Actually, wonderful relationships can become really sexually flat. Mm -hmm. What do you think, D-Love? I see it all over the place. You just got to look around yeah. and... Not to mention all the challenges of having children and uh, reorganized sexual parts and <laughs> <laughs> reorganized sexual. He's talking about my parts, yeah. Esther, because I, I had a, a tear at the birth of my child, and so that. So that, that's you know that's a great question that we can go into next because I think that that for me and my clientele, I look at well, what's the inciting event? And oftentimes, it's parenthood that transition to becoming parents. It is just as you say, it spells erotic da disaster. Can you speak on that? You know, when you become parents, you have a massive reorganization of the resources. The kids get time, you have less. The kids get affection, you get less. The kids get your attention, you get less. It's like, basically, on some level, you could say eroticism is alive and well. It's just redirected. The kids often will get the latest clothes and the parents are walking around in sweatpants. You don't even remember. the. <laughs> You're speaking to us, Esther. I'm happy I'm talking to you. I see you. <laughs> the kids get to go to multiple play dates and the adults end up having an anniversary and a birthday. The kids get up doing new things because we're constantly curious and alive and vibrant and excited in wanting them to discover things. And we end up doing the same old, same old. So in an interesting way, when people say sex with kids, you must be kidding. I say, if you don't look at it as just sex, having sex per se, but you look at the erotic energy, it's often alive and well, but it is redirected and it needs to be brought back to the couple. And a lot of people today where we are experiencing an unprecedented child centrality that has never existed before, 
parents have a hard time bringing that energy back into the adult couple, closing the door, taking time off, and not feeling guilty that they are not available for their little schmurfs on a 24-7. It's a real paradox because, unfortunately, family life today will only survive if the couple is reasonably content, which means on the long list of what your kids need, Parents who have a healthy sex life of some sort, whichever the one you choose, needs to feature as one of the items on the list for the kids. It's like it's not even just for the couple. It's if the couple doesn't get it, they won't be a family. Hence, kids need parents to have an adult relationship. It's a, mm-hmm. You can really turn it around from that angle. And when you say it like that, then people stop for a moment. Then I say, you know, it's, if, even if you don't care, your son cares because your son needs to know that the two of you are attentive and attuned enough to each other and erotically alive with each other. So that's mm-hmm. one piece. I think the other thing that seems to happen a lot and that doesn't get acknowledged much is that we get a tremendous erotic satisfaction from our little babies. The skin, the softness, the tickling, the nibbling, the smiling, the adoring gaze. When people describe, and it's not about sex, it's really that erotic, sensual, playful, you know, luscious, delicious, sometimes people will tell you, you know, at the end of the day, all I want is to be left alone. And I'm thinking maybe, and they say, because there's nothing more that I need. And I'm thinking maybe because at the end of the day, you already got everything you want. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. You see, the description of this the relationship with baby is often no different from the three nights that people spend in the hotel when they first met. Mm-hmm. And so there again, you want to say, you know, it is tempting to get up and to, to cuddle with the baby and to have the baby in your bed. And I'm having a lot of couples who are practicing attachment parenting with two, three, four children in their beds together. Wow. And it's wonderful for the children, maybe, and it gives everybody a good night's sleep. But it is a, it is a sexual disaster for many of these couples. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, we did the co-sleeping attachment parenting whole it, thing. It still rolls out in how our sleeping arrangements work out. Right. And you, know, and you get toxitocin flowing through your body the whole time. It doesn't yeah. room for testosterone. If you have your little, that smell of that little head there that is next to you, you mm-hmm. know, you just want to put your nose into that. You don't want to go smell the other stuff. <laughs> That's what happened to all your testosterone, D-Love. Yep. He, he, he is now, the first two years, it was kind of all of us, but I was doing all the breastfeeding at night. And then now he sleeps with Eamon most of the Eamon time to, to keep him asleep, asleep so I can sleep. Right. So it's, just, it's really interesting um, how that whole thing has, has played out. And we have had to, have, you know, we schedule sex because I'm a sexologist. It's easier for me because I, I get all this stuff. But I think for the most people, they're just completely sidetracked because mm-hmm. they, they don't even have any knowledge. At least I had knowledge before I had a baby of how to how to keep things alive and how to keep us connected. But you one had thing, knowledge you, and you had a good relation and you probably also had, it's not just knowledge, it's that you actually understand that it isn't the kids that extinguish the fires. It's the adult who failed to keep it alive. Right. You know, and so you understand that you need to create an erotic space before mm-hmm. you even have sex. After kids, an erotic space is a place where you just are and not where you're picking up the Legos at night because <laughs> yeah, nobody's right. going to write on your epitaph that you did such a great job picking up all the pieces. 
Uh-huh. And you know that when your partner comes to you and says, you know, put this down, come sit with me, have a glass of wine, let's go for a walk, let's take a bath, let's take a shower, let's just uh, fondle each other's feet, whatever it is, let's just read out loud to each other. You don't say to them, how can you be thinking about all this right now? Don't you see all what there is to do? I already have two children, I don't need a third. You uh-huh. basically get in a position of thanking them for making sure that that part of you doesn't die. Not even just a part of the couple, but that that part of you doesn't die. And that's one thing that you knew to welcome, Jaya, which I try to tell to a lot of partners, male and female for that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to go to a break. This is phenomenal. I love everything Esther has to say. Mating in Captivity is her amazing book. Esther, your website is just estherperel.com? That's correct. And I'll spell it for everyone, E-S-T-H-E-R-P-E-R-E-L.com. And people can go there. They can find out lots of information and information about your book. And you're amazing. You, you speak all kinds of languages and tour all over the world speaking. And you have a private practice in New York. So I, I sing highly your praises, Esther. And you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know that we are a mutual admiration society. yes yes so when we return we'll have more sex ajaya de love and miss esther perel be sure to friend us on facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral Sex for Couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com Let's say you're female. Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is Allocadabra the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last for hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe Kadabra. Feel the magic happen. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. To ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. Now back to Sex with Jaya. I love aloe. I drink it almost every day. I put it, you know where, on my you know what, for you know what. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I use Allocadabra as my personal lubricant. It's good for your body. It's natural as nature. It's certified organic. Allocadabra.com. Use coupon code Jaya for 20% off. That's J-A-I-Y-A for 20% off. Today we're talking with Esther Perel. She's the author of one of my most favorite books, Mating in Captivity. And Esther and I are doing a retreat together. I know. A juicy retreat down in Costa Rica yeah. with the, all the yummy. monkeys and the yummy, crazy bugs. And <laughs> Do you love you make it to come with me? I know. I know. Ugh. Ah, speaking without of, our child. Speaking of, t- <laughs> of taking that time for the relationship, that's, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, you know, and, and I've been actually recommending it to a lot of my couples who aren't making time for the relationship. It's like go down, you know, hang out in Costa Rica, really make that time for your relationship to bring back the arrows. Steal it. Yep, yep, get that time. So Esther, let's talk, you know, my audience, they really love things, that, practical tips and tools, ways that they can solve some of these issues. Like they've lost their arrows. And I actually, um, you know, have thousands of questions that come into my email box about this topic, about, especially from men, you know, I want sex, but my wife won't do it, or she won't do specific activities in our sex life. Like she won't let me go down on her. She won't let me da da da. And, and usually this gets worse as time goes on. So in the beginning of the relationship, she gave him blowjobs, but then. <laughs> but then she got him, got him married. But then we got married, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all that stopped. And what happened? And and so I think the question is very specific around: Well, how can I get my partner to participate in sexual activities and and have more? I think that one of the ways that I find is helpful is to not look at the activity per se in a way i i go away a mo- for a moment from the classic definition of sex is something you do and i begin to talk with people about sex isn't just something you do it's a place you go mm. and so then my question is where do you go in sex where, what's the, what parts of you do you connect to there what's your journey We're inside of you and with your partner is it a place where you can finally abdicate taking responsibility all the time? Is it a place where somebody else makes decisions for you? Is it a place where you can safely surrender? Is it a place where you can be safely aggressive and dominant and in charge? Is it a place where you can allow yourself to be vulnerable when in the other parts of your life that's not, not, that doesn't happen? And I invite people to actually talk about the meaning of sex. Once you set that stage, when I then say, I really want you to perform oral sex on me, or I want you to do give me a blowjob, or I want you to let me go down on you, then you get a, the, it becomes not just this thing. It starts to be because when I do so, it, it connects to a part of me that likes to give to you in a certain way. It is a more vulnerable. It is the thing I didn't do with my other friends, uh, boyfriends or lovers before. It is a place where I feel like you're doing something that is unique for me that, you know, you do because you care about me, because of who I am. And then you weave in, you know, the meaning of sex, the importance of the people for each other and the particular activity. It motivates you a lot more to want to do something that your partner thinks you did because you wanted when in fact you just did it because at the beginning you were willing to be complacent and more accommodating, but you never really cared about it, but you never really bothered saying it either. And so the other person is thinking, in the beginning you were so generous and you loved it. No, I hated it. Why can't you say you hated it? You used to do it three times a week. Yeah, well, it's because, you know, I figured that 
that that's what you really like. Well, I did really like it and you were so generous and why can't you be generous with me now? Stop harping on me. Get off my back. That's not about being generous. You know, you make me feel like all you want is to just be done with it. Yes, that's kind of it. You know, <laughs> that's a dialogue for you, right? Um, and the, the, the essence around the issue of desire that we were talking about before is what people really want is not to feel that the other person is doing them a favor, grinding. They don't like pity sex. They don't like to beg. What is so essential in sex that is for connection and pleasure, particularly in long-term couples or in, in committed relations of some sort, be they monogamous or not for that matter, is the idea that you're doing this because you want me. Knowing that you desire me is become so important. It's not enough for you just to do it because I want you to do it. I want you to do it with generosity of spirit, with grace, with the pleasure of pleasing me, not the pleasure of getting rid of me. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a big one. And, and you know, that conversation that you had in YD Love that I laughed so hard, I realize when I'm teaching that people laugh because things are true. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that conversation that you just said over and over and over again. And we see it in our sitcoms. We see it, you know, and it's it's such a violent way of communicating. So how do we unravel? How do we, a couple has that. How do we start to, you know, talk about it differently? How do we start to desire our lover? What if it's true? Like, I just don't desire you. The desire's gone. How do we want what we already have? Oh, those are two separate questions. If Mm. the desire is gone, The first thing I would say to most of the people is don't ever say it out loud to your partner. Mm. When I have a couple in my office and one of them goes and says, if I never had sex for the rest of my life, I couldn't be bothered. You know, I can live without this perfectly fine. Or says, you know, I am so not interested, so not into you. Or any of these sentences, they sting and they cling to our skin like hair on our skin and it is impossible for people to forget it they like remember it for years and every time they make love to the partner they will still remember that comment think it and hope alone that somehow you're going to find a way back because desire is labile and it does often come and go it has kind of an intermittent eclipses like the moon you know Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not a stable constant thing so that is a advice I really, you know, I believe in honesty and openness, but certain things should not be said out loud. People just don't ever forget them. Now to in, the question about, we're going to say something. Yeah, just in, in your practice, I'm sure you've seen that uh, perhaps that uh, loss of desire had an inciting incident somewhere earlier in the relationship or a series of uh incidents where perhaps that partner f- didn't feel seen or heard and it's just built up to a layer of resentment that then masks what erotic energy is left. Yes, but I'll tell you something. I think that the biggest loss of desire isn't always in response to the partner. It is often an expression of complete self-neglect. It's the woman that we, that I saw this week who had four children, who slept in the bed with the children. They haven't had a bed together for the past 11 years with the partner, who basically, when she would say we, it implied the four of them and her, and he became a piece of meat hanging outside left to dry. That's their expression, I'm quoting. Um, and who basically felt that she had completely lost herself. It's the woman that I saw the week before who said to her partner, um, 
you know, I have never been attracted to you, which it's just like, oh my God, when I was heard that, I said, don't say it, don't say it. Just, you know, talk to me alone afterwards. It's the guy who says to his boyfriend, you know, it has happened to me every time, whenever I am for a long time with a the, with the man, you know, and I become really more intimate and committed with them. Um, I stop being interested in them sexually because the whole thing for me is in the chase and I don't have a chase with you. And so the issue of self-neglect, the issue of how people have shut down to themselves is actually um, as important as the you have been neglecting me or you have rendered me invisible. Then there's a very good little exercise that I love to do with people where we go back and forth, right? It's they go with each other back and forth, but I, I'll, I'll show it to you. So I would say um, I shut myself down um, when I look at emails before going to bed. Um, I shut down desires when I worry about my kids. I shut down desires and I shut down my desire or I turn off when I don't take time for myself, when I work too much. You know, I turn off when or by is not the same as what turns me off is or you turn me off when. Mm-hmm. people come in and they really like to say that it's what the other person is doing and I, it's an exercise that I was inspired by Gina Ogden's work mm-hmm. she has mm-hmm. a variation of that that's a beautiful little exercise and then I say and I turn myself on when I turn myself on when I get to go and do more yoga I turn myself on when I go out with friends when I'm out on the town when I go dancing when I take time to dress up to take care of myself there's nothing specifically sexual about it but it's not the same thing as I t- you turn me on when or what what turns me on is. And then you show people that they really have agency about their desire. It's an auto- you know, desire is owning the wanting. It's a free expression of our autonomy, of our sovereignty, of our preferences, of our likes. And people, when they lose themselves in life because of their jobs, their financial difficulties, the nature of their relationship, all of that, or the messages that they got about sex, the other person may be perfectly present, loving, generous, attentive, and it won't produce an iota of juice. Mm-hmm. So it, it still is really a relationship to oneself that one needs to have. I mean, that's the whole Fifty Shades here, right? Is that all these women are turning themselves on. They're really <laughs> to, on, to their own interests, to their own juices, you know. To the question about um, can we want what we already have, it's very simple. You never have your partner. Don't make that illusion. Don't wait till they cheat on you to find out that they don't belong to you. Right. If you can actually live with the fact that the other is never yours, is always mysterious, is an unknown, a persistent mystery that lives by your side, and you don't just get anxious about that, but you actually remain open to the mysteries of life and the surprises, then you maintain an erotic charge forever. The problem is that people would rather suffocate that tension of the unknown, of the mysterious that lives right by them in order to pretend that they know their partner like the inside of their pocket and then say, I already know who they are, what they think, what they want, what they feel. And then they can say, you can't have what you already want. You never have them. Therefore, mm. you can continue to want them. Mm. Do you like <laughs> that, do you love? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I relate to all the stuff you're talking about, you know, losing myself in the economy over the last couple of years, the having a child, there's that sense of like needing to regain myself to even be present for being sensual and sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, this is why I love my radio show is because, see, I refuse to teach D-Love. 
because it's part of my <laughs> my thing is like he has to learn from other people, not from me. Because he he when he hears it from other people, he's more likely to accept it and I all kinds of true. other things. But hey, my no, husband likes true. to watch you, Jaya. He learns from you. <laughs> <laughs> there. We go. So so this is this goes back to one of our other shows, which is we, it takes a village to raise a relationship. Yeah. So um, we have to go to a break, but we'll be back with more Esther Perel and Sex with Jaya. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral Sex for Couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com. Let's say you're female. Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is Aloe Cadabra, the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last four hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe Cadabra. Feel the magic happen. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. To ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. Now back to Sex with Jaya. Looking for some great techniques to improve your sex life? Be sure to check out RedHotTouch.com for my DVD series and books. I have a new book coming out. Yeah. July 1st. What? Wow. Congratulations. Oh, What's it it's called? Like, it's called Sex Positions You Never Thought Possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I have another one coming out in January. I've been a busy girl this year. Yep. My, my Blow Each Other Away is the book coming out in January. All about oral. How oral do you what? Oral Actually, sex. Wow. <laughs> Talking about books, I'm wor- working on The State of Affairs. Yay! A book about infidelity. Nice. And I'm inviting all of you listeners to actually email me at stairperel at me.com if you want to be on my list. And if you want me to send you the upcoming uh, pay-per-view DVD of a wonderful evening that I did with the New York Power Team uh, that is now going to be for sale and available on the market. Yay! Congratulations, Esther. That's that's really exciting to have you on video. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like video. <laughs> yes, yes. So let's, um, D-Love, you were kind of saying, let's work on D-Love. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> D-Love, you, you were kind of saying you lost yourself because of having a child and the economic collapse. And mm-hmm. just, you know, I think this year for you is all about getting yourself back, but linked back to your erotic self, too. Yeah, well, I mean, just the pace of life and all the needs of uh, our son and our relationship and just money and rent and all the kind of stuff. And, you know, I was living the blissful bachelor life basically before all this came along. And I I really loved that pace. I could do things. I could be in my own rhythm. And in this rhythm, it feels like uh, often there's no space for me. And even if I do get a little bit of space... It's at the expense. It feels like it's at the expense of something else, or it's bookended by all the other needs that have to be taken care of. So it's hard to like soak in and relish. So um, Esther was saying a little bit during the breaks that she might have some exercises about how people for couples, straight, gay, whatever, to kind of re-energize their erotic life. But I think you're also. I, I'm. I'm going to add to what you just said because. You know, you're talking about the economic, the economic difficulties and the crunch and our desire, you know, in order to feel that we want and that we can have something and somebody will want to give it to us and that we deserve to receive it, a kind of a healthy sense of entitlement, right, that comes with sex is connected to our sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. It's connected to how we feel about us. For a lot of men, it's connected to their sense of accomplishment or performance. And I think you actually made a very good point about one of the myths about male sexuality, you know, that it's a perpetual motion machine that, you know, men are creatures of biology and uh, they are always just ready to go indiscriminately and uh, mm-hmm. it's automatic, spontaneous, frequent, constant, set, rigid, you name it, rather than that it is no less influenced by the internal state by their interest, by their mood, by how they feel about themselves, by their sense of self-esteem, etc., as we claim to say about women, right? We love to say men are creatures of biology and women are creatures of meaning. And I think that's a real oversimplification. How we feel about ourselves is directly connected to how we feel about us sexually and about how we connect to our desire. So when you parent... One of the big things that shift that you're describing is that you become attentive to the needs of somebody else. You become other directed, which in an interesting way is the opposite of pleasing oneself, right? When I please myself, I'm indulgent, I'm self-directed. I, and I need to be able to do that when I'm unself-conscious and certainly when I don't feel guilty that I'm giving me, I take away from you. Mm. That's one of the big things that makes sex so difficult. It's not that people don't have time. You know, the same parents who have two young children and don't have time and are stressed and busy and tired, it's remarkable how not tired they are when they have an affair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So it, It has to do also with motivation. And part of the affair, of course, if you look at the meaning of it, in one of the many, many meanings, is that the people feel like they're doing something for themselves. That's Mm -hmm. very clear. You never do an affair for somebody else, you know? It's totally self-pleasing. And the secrecy of it almost protects it and kind of enables you to experience that. So to connect to sex in marriage or in not marriage, in marriage I mean long-term relationship. You know, men and women, two men, two women, or, or every combination you want is to actually first find a place in which you can make the transition from being other-focused to being focused on yourself and do that without feeling guilty. 
Mm-hmm. Some people can do that very easily. They take off the T-shirt with the spit and they know now my turn. Some people, <laughs> they schedule and they know it's Thursday night, nothing comes in between and they love the concept of Thursday night because it says, now me. Some people hate the concept of Thursday night because they say, shit, what about all this planning? But the fact is that in family life, structure breeds freedom and not the other way around. The more structure you have, the more you guarantee the freedom, which is the opposite of what you have before when freedom is the lack of structure. Mm -hmm. Then it's about accepting that the other person helps you in the transition. Some people really need an hour run. Some people need a day out of the house. Some people need a hotel and not the room next door to the children. It's where do you need to go internally and externally to feel that you can be in a place where you are retrieving the man or the woman from the role of the father and the mother? Mm-hmm. And so that they can coexist. You cl- it's not just you close a physical door. You close the door because you are going to be doing things in sex that moms don't do and dads don't do. And right. ways that moms <laughs> and dads and two dads don't treat each other or two moms. Are, and so you really need a psychological space mm-hmm. in which you can go to your sexual self if you want. It's not just finding time in the, phys- in the literal sense of the word. It's much more recovering that part of me that I usually don't bring about when I'm busy you know changing the diapers Mm -hmm. yeah one of the big thing you keep uh, stressing here is structures structures for success and in some ways that affair has a couple of structural elements that breed success which is it's probably out of the house it's you know happening away from the structures of family and being the mom being the dad and it has the structure of secrecy so it takes on that thing of like, well, this is really for me and I'm going to keep it to myself and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, and scheduled date times, right. which you don't do with your wife necessarily. I tell right. you about the daytime though. Oh, by the way, but it, the thing about the affair, I don't recommend it. Huh? Plus, nobody needs my opinion to, to do what they want to do. But it's not a, to, something I, I make a point of recommending. I'm just noticing that it's remarkable how n- people that fall asleep at 8 o'clock at night one day, the next day when they have a reason to stay awake, they're not tired. Yeah, exactly. The thing, the thing that's important about the dating is, you know, it's nice to have date nights. And for some people, it works wonderful. For some people, it's just a nice time to be together, but it doesn't yet produce, you know, sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Whereas and when people meet during the day, what produces desire and energy? One of the big things is breaking rules, right? When you break rules and you're playful, and you're not doing good citizenship, and Mr. Responsible, you're already, you know, you play hooky, you play naughty, you feel that you are in that other zone, that playground that connects to our sexual self. If people, when they can, could stay in bed once in a while, a couple of hours more in the morning, or get up, bring the kids to school, and come back home for a couple of hours, or meet for lunch when they are actually awake and dressed up, which they do with other people. But most of the time, they keep their best, more energized self for everyone else, and they do a date night with what's left at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) You relate to that one, D-Love? Huh? You relate to that one? You're like, we have to have sex during the day, at night. By the end of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I was structured during the day, during time, yeah, the times where we're present for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. 
That's yeah. right. And I, I think it's much nicer for a lot of people for a, for a number of years. Meet during the day. You know, don't just wait till you have a headache to stay in bed an hour longer in the morning. Do it also sometimes just because it's, even if it's just to, to cuddle or to lay around, it doesn't have to produce the act sex. It could just be some nice strokes, some long kisses. That is in itself very sexual, you know. Mm. The, you, you, the kissing itself, which often gets lost in many couples, mm-hmm. you know, is no less sexual. But the, the whole, you know, foreplay basically starts at the end of the previous, uh, of the previous orgasm, isn't it? So another <laughs> place, you know, with parents, for example, that I love to play is especially when I see how much people flirt in text and in email and how much people are writing these days. You know, it's like since Gutenberg, they haven't written and read as much. <laughs> You know, I say take out a private email address. Have an email address or a text or a phone number that isn't the management ink of the house. So you know by definition that when an email comes from there, it isn't going to tell you pick up the kids or the chicken or do this or why didn't you this. You know that it's the lover's box. Hmm. Whatever is coming is just because one of the, each of you is thinking about the other, not as the co-partner in the, you know, minimum liability company. It's a very different text. And to create that space, I think a lot about how you help people create erotic spaces where they can be playful, imaginative, curious, mischievous, you know, all the ingredients that breed that sense of erotic aliveness. And erotic, I mean, you know, the central agent of the erotic is imagination, but not only the positions, what leads you to want to connect to that part of you so that you're going to want to be with that other person and then engage in all these positions. My work is often located at helping people want it. They know what to do. They don't feel like doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm working a lot with people who need to get the desire back and they don't know what to do for that. And you can make them put on the nice clothes or the candles. It doesn't do it for them because it's it's not wired well inside. So I look for ways, you know, if you get these texts during the day and they're, they're sexy or they're hot or they're sweet or they're, what, but they just say, I'm thinking of you, you know, I'm, you are during the day already building that separate part of you, that other dimension of you that will then be available at seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock, rather than suddenly after you've put the kids to bed, now you come out of the room and you suddenly have to be, you know, God knows which character you like to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's something, you know, D-Love, you and I used to do that all the time. Which part? We used to text each other yeah. during the day mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Well, you don't even have a phone now. I know. The structure's not there. The structure's <laughs> not there anymore. <laughs> but uh, okay, the, Again, like, it's the structures for success thing. Like, you, they really have to be in place. The thing you said about you have to have uh, heavy structures to get the freedom at all, mm-hmm. especially once you've got a family. But even people without kids, uh, you know, you have the regu- the management well, of the house. I was household. just working with a couple who's just been married like a few years. I, I get written to all the time from couples like, we got married and then everything changed. Mm. And I think it's that, that thing that Esther was talking about, of, can we want what we already have? It's that illusion that I've caught you. Now I don't have to give you blowjobs anymore. Right. Or I'm caught. 
Right. Or I don't have to dress up nice when I come home because I, I dress for the world and at home I walk around in complete schlump. Or I don't have to say nice things to you because it's a given. Or I don't have to tell you how much I appreciate things because I only need to tell you the things you don't do. There's a kind of a whole depletion going on, you know. Or I never have to take time to just look at you for a few minutes. You know, we have an elevator, fifth floor. It's not really long. But sometimes just that going up with a little gaze, with a smile, smile, you know, where we just acknowledge each other, that makes you go in the house very differently mm-hmm. than did you do this? Did you do that? It's so easy to slide like that. And it is an effort. It is willful. It is conscious. It is premeditated. You got to keep it in your mind. It doesn't just happen. And a lot of the people who think the best sex before we were married was spontaneous sex because it just happened. Well, whatever is going to just happen already has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On that note, <laughs> we have to go <laughs> to a break. EstherPerel.com is Esther's website. You can find out about our Costa Rica retreat there. We're teaching together in July over the, the weekend after 4th of July. So I highly recommend for the couples listening who are like, we need this. We need this time. We need to get these structures. We need to learn more about sexuality. Esther and I will be giving a full erotic immersion download weekend. And I also say, get Esther's book and get my book and read them. That will help your sex life too. (laughs) You can't make it to Costa Rica. So estherperel.com. You can check all that out there. And my site, redhottouch.com. We'll return with more Sex with Jaya. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready to become an oral sex aficionado and give your partner unforgettable pleasure day and night? Jaya, world-renowned sexologist, has created the ultimate educational experience for couples. Oral sex for couples features over 100 techniques in a three-volume series. Guys, learn hand and mouth combinations that will send her soaring. Women, master ancient oral arts that will not only leave him breathless, but are said to keep you youthful and glowing. Both of you will be inspired to try the best positions for comfort and pleasure as you make love with your mouths. Watch now at www.oralsexforcouples.com. Let's say you're female. Let's say you're over 50. Let's say your partner takes a little blue pill. Let's say he's ready to go maybe four hours. Let's say that's unfair. There's no little blue pill for women, but there is aloe cadabra, the first personal lubricant that's made from 95% organic aloe. So it's as natural as nature, which means it naturally does for your body what your body may no longer naturally do for itself. We're not saying that it will last four hours, but if you're lucky, neither will he. Aloe cadabra. Feel the magic happen. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Sex with Jaya. 
to ask the burning questions you've always wanted to ask or share a tip or comment of your own, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? Send an email to Jaya at MissJaya.com. That's J-A-I-Y-A at MissJaya.com. Now back to Sex with Jaya. Awesome. We are back with Esther Perel, author of Mating in Captivity. Esther, you had like a big thing happen with your book recently, right? It was published in something? Uh, Well, it's a few different things. Um, I got actually two very good news. One is that uh, Mating in Captivity was uh, voted number one book on couples and sexuality on NPR, on All Things Considered, uh, with... uh, um, and then the other thing is that I got an award yesterday from the Woodhull um, Freedom Sexual Freedom Award. I and know that award on sexuality. I didn't even know it existed, but here I am. I am recognized <laughs> in sexuality as a human rights advocate and activist. I never saw myself like that, and I think it actually fits me perfectly well. <laughs> Congratulations! Yay! So I'm going to Yay. Washington to receive the award and to make a speech. That's the second big uh, news. I'm doing the new um, DVD that's going to be out. That's a, was streamed live as a sold out event in New York, and we have now um, make we're making a full length of it, and we'll be um, selling it online. And I, for all of you out there that want to do other courses with me the beauty of Jaya is the hands-on and the beauty of me is the thoughts that accompany and that sometimes stand in the way of getting to the hands-on <laughs> and so um, on my website you'll find all the courses that I give mostly for professionals actually but also for all of you that want to discuss um, issues of desire mm-hmm. I love it and you guys uh, just to go back into a little bit the two of you have a workshop coming up in Costa Rica and uh, what would that look like a little bit between the back and forth between the two of you? Oh, well, we could do a little example. Well, we've got all of like Esther's great stuff, but just like she said, it's like the stuff before the hands-on. You got to want the hands-on before you get to the hands-on and then people don't know. Like that's what I often find in my work is, okay, we've, we've done a lot of talk therapy We've we've do, we've got the desire maybe, or maybe we didn't get the desire in the talk therapy, but we need the hands-on aspect. We need That's the right. practical tools and tips on how to how to do this. And how I think touch, how to breathe, how to move, how to receive. With me, they will talk about you know their questions about receiving, their doubts about receiving. With Jaya, they will actually experience receiving and learn to receive or to give. To very, that's a perfectly simple example, right, Jaya? Yes, very succinct, Esther. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I think a good example is this couple I was just working with where um, they, they've been in therapy. They've been doing a lot of sex therapy. And I think that oftentimes in talking about the stuff, especially with people who are very intellectual and very much very heady, is that the therapist isn't necessarily able to see what's really going on until you get touching. And then all of a sudden, it's like when they get in the erotic experience, and this is the difference between my work and some of talk therapy, is like I'm seeing them interact. I'm seeing them interact. And then all of a sudden, it's like they're fine when they're talking about sex or maybe they're okay in their communication. But then when they start touching each other, it's like 
I watch a whole a totally new thing happen. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. a couple, you know, like all of a sudden the communication goes out the window or all of a sudden they're blaming each other for something or the body is freezing up in a way. So I'm looking at it from a very somatic approach, a mm-hmm. very body-based approach, like, like Esther said with the breathing and the touching and all that kind of stuff. Good. Okay, more content from my listeners. <laughs> um, so Esther, you know, question from a, from a listener is that, the, so this person writing, woman, and she has two kids Mm-hmm. And she's finding that she has a lot of sexual drive, but her partner's drive, and I think this is, again, the myth, again, that men should always be kind of there. Erect and ready to erect go. Erect and ready to go is, is not, is not there. And, I, and th- I get actually a lot of women writing to me saying, my man is not interested. So, oh, yeah. so what's going on with the men or, you know, I don't know if this is something you're seeing a lot of is just men with really low libido. And women, actually, who, and I think this is a myth, too, like, we're not the ones who are supposed to have the libido. That's right. No, no, I think in a, certainly in a therapist's office, I would say that half the people that have no interest are the men and not the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and often, but the difference is that it is not so much related to the children. Sometimes it's related to his own sense of self-esteem, to his own mood, to his anxiety, to his depression. And sometimes it's related to his lack of interest in his wife. And that can be from different places or his girlfriend. Part, one piece of it can be because he has begun to see her as mom and um, it becomes harder to do this with the mother of your children, as they say so nicely. Um, and the I other just flashed you love just to make sure he wasn't seeing me as the mother of his children right now. Ah. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> curse actually because if you are the woman and you still have a lot of interest and you're perfectly you know at ease in your femininity in your sexuality as a woman to feel that the person the man in this case next to you um, sees through it and just no longer responds to that it puts you in a real state of loneliness and rejection and self-doubt it's quite crippling when it goes on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Then if you find out that, no, Mr. has in- actually sexual interest, but see, you always, you always want to find out, do you have interest but not for your partner or do you have no interest whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Or are you interested alone by yourself and you're perfectly willing to have a rich masturbatory life with porn, without porn, whatever, um, but not particularly with her? What's the story? Why are you not interested in her? Is it because, you know, you're angry at her and because you feel that she is critical of you a lot of the time? Or is it because there is something in the way that you love her that does not allow you to desire her? So I, I need to do a bit of detective work with the person who is not interested. Does it come from you? Is it solo, yes, but not with your partner? Or other people, yes, but not your partner? Is it related to the life stage that you are in now? Or has this been creeping into you? Meaning, is it because she's now mom and you have a hard time seeing the woman? Or is it because you actually lose your interest sexually when you don't feel good about the relationship, which actually happens to some men too? Or simply, you are not interested sexually in your wife because the sex is not interesting enough or because you have a hard time sexualizing her and that one is the real pickle that's the most difficult of them all because you you at those moments you turn to the woman and you first of all say oh first of all you go back to the man and you say has this happened to you before 
Have you lost interest in that kind of a way? You know, I'm not talking about less frequency. I'm talking about sudden stop. I mean, not sudden, but a complete kind of full stop, like months go by, months. We come, we're talking two, three times a year, you know, and maybe because you're really drunk. You know, and um, I mean, that, I have a couple like that. He cannot, he has no interest. And so every once in a while they get smashed enough, but that's not a way to do it either. You know, it's right. like just so you won't remember and you won't know what you're doing. So he can kind <laughs> of perform, but he and she feels really lonely. She feels like, you know, he, he no longer relates to. And But then you find out they became family. And they cuddle and they do baby talk and they're very, very sweet. And she says, we have all these nicknames to each other and we actually desexualize each other. We render ourselves not adult. You begin to see what are the ways that this relationship plays out and are there mechanisms in place? I love the word about structures of success. Here it's like structures of failure, like other mechanisms in place that you see de-eroticize you. They trample sex. You know, sweetie, little nicknames the whole day like that isn't really very adult-like. And then you start to feel like you live in a family. And when you live in a family, it's very easy for sex to be out the window. Not a family because you have kids. A family because of the mental state you're in. You do not want to have sex with a family member. You do need to know that your partner is a partner. Not a parent. Not your parent. No, not just the parent of your children. You need the word parent out of there in order to be able to have sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that uh, I see parents do, and I think something that D-Love and I took on until I caught it, and we, we try to stop it, but we don't always do it, which is he starts calling me mama, and I start calling him dada. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying lover, you know, instead of saying Ian, Jaya, Jaya, we start calling each other mama and dada all the time. So, And don't you feel that it has a kind of a desexualizing effect over time? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I should be calling mm-hmm. you sexy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and any of the above. But when I know that when people say da 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 for a long time, we're not talking once, twice. We're talking a few, a few months, a few years. It just takes something out of the of the a certain way of adult relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It softens it. It makes it cozy and sweet and good. Okay, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. And on that note, we actually have to close the show. It went so fast. My goodness. So check out estherperel.com. You can find out more about our retreat on Esther's site in Costa Rica in July. And Kripalu and Omega following, by the way. Yes. And you, for the people it, in the Northeast. I have it in my schedule. Your, your workshops, one in October and one in July. So yes. um, maybe I'll make it there. Z-Love, maybe if we don't do Costa Rica, then then you can come with me to Esther's retreat. Uh-huh. And we'll have a whole weekend to ourselves. Okay, we have to go. You can visit my site, sexisyou.com, for more great information like you've heard on this show. I've so enjoyed Sex with Jaya today. Have you? I've so enjoyed Sex with Jaya and Esther today. <laughs> <laughs> Was this a threesome? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. A mental one. It was a pleasure, <laughs> really. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, Esther. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You have been listening to Sex with Jaya. For more, you'll have to tune in next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time to the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, make it the best weekend ever with tips you've learned from today's show. Thanks again for joining us.
Sex with Jaya is brought to you by Aloe Cadabra. Aloe Cadabra is 95% organic aloe vera. Visit www.allocadabra.com today.